if you just, if you just think about it, um, the Bible teaches that a true friend is a spiritual brother. David, when he was younger, after he slayed Goliath, became very famous in Israel. Can you remember who David's best friend was? Jonathan. Jonathan was the son of who? Saul. What did Saul want to do to David? Wanted to kill him. Why did he want to kill him? Because he was jealous of him. He was envious of the fame and the glory that David had achieved because of his courage and his heroism. And so what happened was Saul continues to chase after David in order to kill this this young man who had essentially saved the kingdom on his behalf. And, And Jonathan, the son of Saul, the text says in 2 Samuel 1 that their their souls were knit together. Jonathan's soul was knit to David's. And this is what David said to Jonathan when David was on the run from Jonathan's dad. He says, I'm distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant have you been to me. Your love has been extraordinary. David calls his best friend his brother. His brother. Why? Because their souls were knit together in love. When Jesus is in a, in a house teaching a lot of people about the gospel, there's so many people inside the house that there are those outside, and Jesus' mother and his brothers actually come up to the house. And, and word gets up to Jesus that, hey, your mother and your brothers are here to see you. And Jesus' first response is to ask a question. Who are my mother and my brothers? And he goes on to say, my mother and my brothers are those who do the will of God. And then Paul says over and over in his letters, he calls the believers brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. We are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. There are a lot of additional factors that make me think that option number two is the best option. But this is where I'm going to land, okay? Look back down at the text. A friend loves how often? At all times. At all times. In the Hebrew, at all times is the very first phrase in that verse. Literally it reads, at all times a friend loves. At all times a friend loves. And so what it's trying to do is to indicate the faithfulness and the trustworthiness of a love of a true friend. Okay, and then it ramps it up when it says adversity. Even in the most difficult, troublesome, distressing times, a friend loves. And so put your eyes down on the text one more time. This is the idea. At all times, in all seasons of life, a true friend consistently loves you, consistently pursues your highest good, and in the most troubling, traumatic times of your life, a true brother, that is a true friend, rises to the occasion to courageously serve you and meet your deepest needs in your darkest moment. Can you see that? Can you see that? And so to be a true friend, you must be consistent in your love and courageous in your ministry. You must be consistent in your love and courageous in your ministry. And so I want to give you two encouragements, two exhortations right now. And the first one is, if you want to be a true friend, be consistent in your love. Be consistent in your love. 
Now, I don't care whether you are 9 or 29 or 59 in the building today. This passage applies to all of us. And the very first way that it applies to us is, to, uh, is for us to examine whether or not we are consistent in our love for our friends. Are we consistent? Now, the first thing that you have to do to be consistent in your love as a friend is to understand what friendship is. Now, I had the definition that was going to be up on the screen for you, which I thought was going to be very helpful. So if you're taking notes or inclined maybe to take notes right now, you might want to write down this definition of a friend. Because if you want to be a good friend, like if you want to be legitimately a good friend for the rest of your life, you need to know what a friend is. Yeah. All right, so here we go. A friend is a trustworthy companion. A trustworthy companion who consistently and lovingly pursues your highest good for the glory of God. A true friend is a trustworthy companion who consistently and lovingly pursues your highest good for the glory of God. I say that a friend is trustworthy because a true friend can be trusted. A true friend is reliable. A true friend is faithful. If you've confided in, in Him, He's not going to let you down. He's not going to turn around behind your back and say things about you or go spill the beans to someone else. Why? Because He's trustworthy. He's faithful. Or she is. He's a companion. He's someone that's in the company uh, of you all uh, regularly. Okay, It's someone that you see and do life with regularly. That's what a companion is. That's what a friend is. Even if you're separated by a long distance... Let's say you're separated by a thousand miles from your friend. You find ways to be in communication with one another because you're a friend. And I use the word consistently because a real friend is not somebody who kind of comes in your life and then out of your life and then in your life and then out of your life. A friend is there for you regularly and in your presence regularly. You know, I, I don't know if you're like me, but... When uh, now when it gets to be November and December, I I like the UPS guy. I ever thought about that? Like this week, the UPS guy came to visit me, and I just loved the fact that he came because I got something that I wanted, right? And so when the UPS guy comes and that package is right there, I'm just like I am so excited. All right, but the UPS guy is not my friend. I don't know when he's going to be coming. I don't know how long it's going to be between the next time that I see him, right? He's not my friend. He's just a guy who drops things off here, here, here and there, all right, every now and again. What? what? Except for Travis. Oh, yeah, Travis, you're my friend. Where are you, Travis? <laughs> yeah, there you go. This is the idea, is that friendships are not built on kind of coming in and out whenever it's kind of convenient. Friendships are built on sacrificial, consistent presence. And then I use the word lovingly because I want to capture this idea that a friend is careful in the way that he or she relates with her friends or with his friends. Careful. In other words, when a, when a friend is going through a difficult time, then... A friend, uh, the other friend doesn't come in with harsh words or, or hard exhortations, but rather comes in with a loving arm and a shoulder to cry on. Uh, a friend is patient when patience is needed 
is gracious when grace is needed, is sensitive and not rude, sacrificial, not selfish, confident, um, not jealous. And then I want to say two more things on this definition. A friend seeks your highest good. A friend seeks your highest good. And what I mean by that is that a true friend is not passive, but active. A true friend is active. Not merely kind of in the relationship and seeing how it's going. And he seeks the highest good of you. Um, I've seen relationships especially as I deal with teenagers going on and off school campuses, where it seems like one friend's goal is to sabotage another friend, right? It's just like, is that, that's not a friendship. Like that, that's, an, that's an enemy relationship, all right? A true friendship is where one person pursues actively the highest good and joy of the other person. And then the last thing I want to say under this definition is it's for the glory of God. I mean, a real, true friendship is intended to bring glory and honor to God. In, in mine and Phil's relationship as, as friendships, Phil's goal for me is for me to taste and see the beauty of God's love and the excellence of God's character. And any way that he can do that in my life, he's going to pursue that. Why? Because he wants me to have the deepest amount of joy and the highest amount of worship. And in order to do that, I've got to see God in it. If God is not in the equation of your friendships, then what you have is not a friendship. All right? What you have possibly is if you love God and this other person doesn't, you have a ministry, you have evangelism, you have love, you have concern, but you don't have a mutual friendship. God has to be at the center and it has to be the goal of your relationship. J.C. Ryle, one of my favorite writers, lived in the 19th century. He said, never make an intimate friend of anyone who's not a friend of God. I don't mean that you ought to have nothing to do with any but true Christians. To take such a line is neither possible nor desirable in this world. Christianity requires no man to be uncourteous, but I advise you to be very careful in your choice of friends. Never be satisfied with the friendship of anyone who will not be useful to your soul. There's no telling the harm that is done by associating with godless companions and friends. The devil has few better helps in ruining a man's soul. Do you ask me what kind of friends you shall choose? Choose friends who will benefit your soul. Friends whom you would like to have near you on your deathbed. Friends who love the Bible. Friends who are not afraid to speak to you about it. Friends such as you will not be ashamed of owning at the, at the coming of Christ and the day of judgment. Remember Solomon, he who walks with the wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. And so a, tr a true friend is a trustworthy companion who consistently and lovingly pursues your highest good for the glory of God. You guys good with that definition? Yeah. Awesome. That's the only way you're going to be able to consistently love people is if you understand that's what your goal for this relationship is, right? All right, the second thing that you've got to do to be consistent in your love is to understand the consistent love of your ultimate friend and your elder brother, Jesus Christ. I don't feel like that I need to go into just super great detail about that this morning because, Ron, you did an excellent job in leading of that, uh, of, uh, that's into, into that this morning. Um, but Hebrews 2.11, the writer to the Hebrews says that Jesus Christ 
is not ashamed to call us His brothers. And John 15, verse 12 and following, Jesus says this essentially. He says, listen, I no longer call you servants. I call you my friends. Because the Father has disclosed to me His will and His way, I'm now telling you His will and His way. And and that only happens in friendships. Now I want to tell you, that gives us a little insight into what friendships are about. Friendships are about imparting God's wisdom to one another and walking in that wisdom. That's what it's really about. And so Jesus calls us His friends. So we've got to understand that Jesus' love for us is a love of friendship. Listen, we we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were lost in our own self-centeredness. We were consumed with our own self-idolatry. And Jesus Christ, as a friend of us sinners, He came to earth to reveal to us our lostness, our deadness, and our idolatry and to rescue us from that. That's what a friend does. Now, even that Jesus has done that for us when we were lost and dead and idolatrous, do you realize that Jesus is a friend to us right now? Even now after He has saved us? Do you realize that we have such a a propensity, such an inclination to chase after the empty things of the world, the vain things of this society, the things that are rebellious against God. And yet all the while, Jesus sits in heaven at the right hand of God, mediating on our behalf, praying for us essentially. He has sent His Spirit to dwell inside to us, to minister us truth and wisdom and love and to draw us back to Himself. We need to look to Jesus, not only as the one who befriended us on the cross, but right now walks every day as our friend as He is on the throne and has His Spirit inside of us. He is our true friend. Now you can can love your, your friends consistently. You can love them fervently because you have the ultimate friend, the older brother Jesus Christ as your example. And listen, listen to me. The gospel of Jesus Christ gives you fuel for friendship. The gospel of Jesus Christ gives you power for friendship. The gospel of Jesus Christ gives you the ability to persevere in friendship when friendship is hard. Why? Because Jesus Christ is persevering on your behalf. Jesus Christ is loving you consistently. He's loving you fervently. He's loving you for the glory of God. Listen, you can pour out your life for your friends because Jesus Christ has poured out His life for you. So so if you understand the definition of friendship and what it means, and you understand the great and ultimate friend Jesus Christ and who He is for you, then you can turn your attention to this phrase at all times, and you, you can embrace this phrase at all times. At all times essentially means for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer in sickness and in health. I know that we use those terms to describe marriage, but really those are the same terms that should be described for friendships. True friendships are not fair-weather friendships. True friendships celebrate when you succeed. They comfort when you fail. 
They, they allow you the room to fail and without significant judgment or condemnation. At all times means good times, bad times. Successful times, failing times. Rich times, poor times. The times when you go out on a first date and you're nervous and the times when you have a breakup and you're crushed. A friend is there at both of those times and in both of those ways. A true friend doesn't run and hide when times are tough. As a matter of fact, when times are tough is when true friends step up to the plate. I just want to kind of tell you, kind of give you this instruction. Don't be good time Gary. Good time Gary is the guy who is all laughs and jokes all the time. He's the guy that you're going to want to love to be at parties with or to go bowling with or to go to the ball game with. And I mean, it is one one liner after another and everything is funny and it's all jokes. But when something happens in your life, good time Gary is nowhere to be found. Well, you look around, well, where's Gary? Where's Gary? Well, he was busy. He's got something going on. He had to work or he had so, so, where is he? Good time Gary is not around because he doesn't have anything to offer you when you're going through difficult times. But he's always around when it's good times. Don't be that kind of friend. Don't be good time Gary. Also, don't be nice guy Norm. Nice guy Norm is the guy who always has a smile on his face and will speak to you. He's kind of like the guy at the barbershop that you see once a month or so, and he's smiling and nice. And the thing about nice guy Norm is that he offends nobody, but he also influences nobody. Why? Why? Because he might wear a smile on his face, but he doesn't sacrifice for a single person. And he might speak to you every time you see him, but he's not generous to anybody in a sacrificial way because it's all about his life or his little family, and he won't get outside of that box in order to sacrifice and to exercise kind-heartedness to anyone because it takes some effort. Don't be nice guy Norm. Step out and influence other people for the glory of God. It was Jesus who said in John 20, verse 21, He says, As the Father sent me, so I send you. Listen, you are God's ambassadors to be friends to people and to be sent by Him to love them sacrificially and generously and consistently and and carefully so that people can feel the Father's love. Don't be nice guy Norm and don't be SpongeBob selfish pants. I knew that was cheesy. I just did it anyway. SpongeBob is the friend who takes, 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 and never gives. Some of you have friends like this. You pour your life into them. Man, you love them. You go by and see them. You call them on the phone. You send them encouraging texts. You, you do everything. You, you buy lunch for them. You do all this stuff for them, and they never do any of that for you. Listen, listen. That's not a friendship. That's a gas station. All right? And, and what it is, is you are the gas station, and they're the car, and you pump fuel into them constantly and consistently, and they never do anything for you. Listen, that's ministry. Praise God for your ministry. Just understand it's not a friendship. Don't be that guy. Don't be SpongeBob selfish pants. All right, so now, now, let's just look at the text and ask the question, how can I love consistently? 
Ryan, it sounds good. This definition is wonderful. The example of Jesus is awesome. Um, these, these bad examples are good for me to know, but how do I actually be a good friend? How do I know what that is? I'm just going to reel off some ways for you to love at all times. All right? First thing is pray for your friends. Pray for them. Man, write down your friends in your Bible or on some, and just make it a daily or at least a weekly practice to pray for your friends good. And not only pray for them, let me tell you something that transforms relationships. Pray with them. Pray with them. Study the Bible with your friends. That's one reason why we constantly encourage build around here. As last Wednesday night, we spent 90 minutes studying the book of Ephesians. I'll tell you, after those 90 minutes, I can guarantee you, Joey, that you and I felt more united in our friendship after studying about the grace of God than we did previous to those 90 minutes, didn't we? Why? Because we studied the Bible together and our hearts were united toward the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Communicate with your friends consistently. And don't don't be the kind of person who just looks up a friend when you need something. But send text messages, make phone calls, write letters, communicate with them consistently so that they know your care for them and that you pray for them. Speak truth to your friends consistently. Um, I want to say that this morning because we all have in us the tendency to want to agree with our friends all the time. Whatever they say and however they feel, we're just there to affirm them. As a matter of fact, the world defines friendship. I think the world defines friendship. A friend is somebody who never judges me. A friend is someone who never looks down on me. A friend, that, that's kind of today's contemporary view of friendship. Listen, a friend is surely faithful, but he's not a liar. Okay? And so as friends, we need to speak truth to one another in the in the most skillful and loving ways, but when our friend is in the wrong, we don't need to let them just continue to walk in the wrong. We need to speak truth to them. And in a friend, as a friend, you should forgive your friend's sins. Forgive your friend's sins. Um, Just meditating on the reality of conflict within friendships this week, I think it would be good for us to just like for a minute right now to remind ourselves of how to go about reconciling with our friends. When, when Mark, when you and I are in conflict as friends, let's just say we've just seen, seen things different ways, and now there's been a separation between me and you. You and I, at the same time, before God, but apart from one another because we're in conflict, I need to say to myself, Ryan, you've got to glorify God in this situation. Ryan, You've got to get the log out of your own eye before you ever do anything with Mark. Ryan, you've got to go to Mark and bring gentle restoration to this relationship. And Ryan, you've got to go and be reconciled with your brother. And if you're doing the same thing at the same time, God has prepared our hearts so that when we come together, we will easily work this situation out and forgive one another Why? Because we have first sought the glory of God, we've gotten the log out of our own eye, we've tried to restore the matter, and we've gone to each other to be reconciled. Friends forgive one another. Friends don't hurt each other and just leave each other in the dust for the rest of their lives. So as a friend, forgive one another because you're going to sin against each other. Bless your friends consistently. 
So I've got pray for your friends, pray with your friends, study the Bible with your friends, communicate with them, speak truth to them, forgive them, and bless them. And just find all kind of surprising ways to bless your friends. But I've got some wonderful friends. I, I really do. I praise God for friends who, who will just drop off some type of gift certificate and say, hey, I hope you and your kids have a good time at this place. Or, hey, we wanted to give you this because we knew that you would enjoy it at this time of the year. That's what a friend does. A friend blesses his, his friends or her friends in ways that are surprising and joyful. Um, and then I'll just, I have some others, but let me just give you one more. Ask this question right here. Ask this question. Is there any way I can love you better? So you approach your friend as you're driving down the road, you're giving them a ride to the airport or something, and just say, you know, I've been meditating on our friendship. John, is there any way I can love you better than what I love you? You know what that does? That opens up the door for complete honesty about the relationship. It's what it does. Listen, we, we all have friendships that are, we wish they were better than what they are. So we all have friendships where we wish they were maybe more spiritual than what they are. When we ask the question of our friends, Mike, if I were to say, Mike, how could I love you better? And you felt the, you felt the liberty to be honest with me, then you could say, Ryan, I, I really wish you would call me a little more often. I call you three times to your one be great if you picked up the phone a little bit more. You know, that, that invites honesty and it invites mutual friendship. I have a friend who sends me a text message every Sunday morning about 7 a.m. He says, just wanted you to know that I'm praying for you. I'm praying for your church and I'm asking God to do a work in your body. Every time I see him, the guy has words of blessing for me. Like he, he wants to encourage me. And what's even more unique, and it is unique, when my friend has to be down this, this way, whether he's gone to Walmart or something like that, he randomly drives down this driveway to see if I'm here and he just pops his head in and he just comes by. And sometimes he sits down on my couch and sometimes he doesn't. He just wants to come by and say hello. And he's a great friend. Man, he regularly communicates with me. He prays for me regularly. He prays for us regularly, even though he's not a part of this church. And then he just surprises me sometimes in ways that are really interesting. He is a true friend. He's consistent in his love. And I would say that this text is driving us all to be consistent in our love. Now, the second encouragement this text wants to give, give us is for us to be courageous. Be courageous in your ministry. Be courageous in your ministry. Now, the word courage, it's an interesting word. Courage means that you rise to the occasion to demonstrate the love of God and stand for the character of God in a difficult situation. Could you all agree with that? Yeah, courage is rising to the occasion to demonstrate the love of God and stand for the glory of God in a difficult situation. And I believe that this text is driving us to have courage to minister. Um, make no mistake about it, church. Friendships are ministry. Friendships are ministry. That is, we serve people for the glory of God in friendships. Now this word adversity, it means trouble. 
It means distress. It means that time when you're incredibly discouraged, disappointed, crushed, in the middle of a major conflict. That's what adversity is. And a brother is born for adversity. That phrase is born for means this is your mission in life. This is your purpose in life. David, David, if you and I agree that the proper interpretation of this passage is that not only are you and I friends, but we're brothers, then we need to understand that I'm born to be there for you in adversity and that you've been born to be there for me during adversity. Like, that's our life calling, right? So we need to understand that and not run away from that, but embrace that. Because the worth of real friendships is tested during adversity. Um, I want to state a sad fact. And I, I'm actually not ascribing this fact necessarily to Redeemer Church. But a sad fact is there are very few people inside the church of Jesus Christ who are willing to sacrifice their time and their resources and their schedule to help a friend who's in trouble. We will send a text that says we're praying for you. We will drop off something. But to invest valuable time that requires sacrifice and saying no to the things that you want to do in order for the good of your friend, that is often few and far between in the church of Jesus Christ. And that is a sad fact. So this is what I want to tell you to do right now. I want you to I want to tell you to be courageous in some specific times of adversity. So I'm going to reel a few off right here. All right. Be courageous in times of opposition. Be courageous in times of opposition. I think of William Wilberforce. Many of you know William Wilberforce. 18th century, 19th century England. The slave trade was huge. People were making bukoodles of money off of slaves. And William Wilberforce, who came to trust Jesus Christ as his Savior, looked upon the slave trade and said, this is evil, this is wicked, and our government should have nothing to do with it. And do you think that he was met with a lot of glad hands and favors and support? No. No, he wasn't. As a matter of fact, he was slandered, he was ridiculed, his life was in danger, and yet William Wilberforce, for a matter of decades, had a small group of friends who prayed with him, who prayed for him, who rallied support throughout the whole nation of England and beyond to support him and to love him and to carry him through the most difficult of times because he battled all kinds of migraine headaches and an illness and um, health problems that you and I don't are probably not familiar with. And yet these group of friends held him up to the point that about four decades after he started this fight, he ultimately saw the end of the legalization of the slave trade. Now listen, listen, I don't believe it would have happened without friends who were there for him yeah. during adversity. Yeah. Yeah, right. Listen, Chris, I just hope that if you go through adversity in your life, that I'm not going to find myself busy. I'm not going to find myself too, too caught up with my own thing that I can't come alongside you and pray for you and help you in your time of opposition. Be courageous, not only in opposition, but be courageous in times of darkness. In times of darkness. Don't let your friends walk alone in the darkness. I remember about 17 years ago when, when Jamie's mom was dying. She had had, a brain, uh, she had had a brain tumor. It was cancerous. They removed it. And then for about the next 10 months, 
life was really dark. And Jamie's best friend, Heather, said, uh, I would like to come and just sit with you. And so multiple times, Jamie's best friend came over to Jamie's parents' house with Jamie and me in the house, and she literally just came and sat. She didn't try to be, you know, Miss Wonder Woman or Superwoman and rescue the day. She literally just came and was in our presence, and specifically Jamie's. And Jamie to this day says that that was one of the best ministries that a friend has ever had in her life. Be courageous in times of darkness. Be courageous in times of failure. Listen, we, we fail a lot. We fail professionally. We fail personally. Hey, we fail morally sometimes. And I tell you, the church of Jesus Christ is awesome at turning on people who fail morally. Who do we think we are? We should come beside our friends and love them and of course speak the truth to them, but to care for them in their time of failure. Be courageous in times of sickness. And when we're sick, we are oftentimes at our weakest and most vulnerable state. True friend... Knows, knows that and seeks to minister effectively during that time. Be courageous in times of sickness. Be courageous in times of financial crisis. Look, fact is, probably all of us, if, if not all of us, most of us will go through a financial crisis at some point in our lives. A true friend doesn't ignore that. A true friend does everything that he or she can to help alleviate the pressure and the anxiety of that financial crisis. I don't know if you've ever been unable to sleep, laying on your back on your bed, looking up at the ceiling, trying to figure out how you're going to get yourself out of this mess. But if you've ever been in that place, you know what it's like for a friend to come alongside you and say, I love you, how can I help you? Be courageous in times of a family death. I think that we are probably most fragile when a parent dies, when a sibling dies, when a child dies, and friends know how to come alongside and love and care. Be courageous in times of depression. Listen, um, we need to understand that it takes skill and it takes Holy Spirit-driven love to be able to care for people when they're down. Man, Joe, if you're down, um, I think one of the worst things that I can do as a friend is to come with my Bible in hand and tell you to stop being this way and start being that way. Stop doing this and start doing that. I think there's there's a... a part of being a friend where I've got to understand where you're at and love you through the discouragement and depression that you're going through without, without beating you up uh, in, the, in the meantime. Listen, uh, I think there are some, some specific ways in which you know you can be courageous and how to be courageous. Let me give you those. First of all, you need to pray for courage. Pray for courage. Be present with your friend that's going through adversity. Don't act like you have all the answers. Do little things, practical things that can be a blessing. But more than anything else, 
Be active, not passive. Be active, not passive. Be active, not passive. Hear me, church. Listen, when I had my car wreck a few weeks ago, and Jamie and the boys were right there, my father-in-law and my mother-in-law were right there, my parents were on the phone, but I had friends that came over the night of my wreck. I had a friend that came over the next morning of my wreck. I had friends that came over the the day after our wreck, prayed with us, loved us. I had a friend that came over and brought Chick-fil-A sandwiches and a Chick-fil-A milkshake. Hadn't had a Chick-fil-A milkshake in years. Brought me a Chick-fil-A milkshake and I drank it. Why? Because I was in a time where, man, it didn't matter. I might have a shake, you know, I just don't feel good. All right. I I had friends that just came alongside me. Then I had a father-in-law I had a father-in-law who understood that I needed a vehicle. I was going through a difficult time with both the vehicle that we were driving that was still good and I had to replace mine and he spent hours upon hours investing on what would be good investments for new vehicles. Listen, my father-in-law is not just my father-in-law, he's my friend because he invested his life into my life for my good. All right? I can give witness to that. I would like for you, if you would, just uh, kind of put your things up if you can. I like to enter a time of meditation. And in this time of meditation, the first thing that I want you to do is I want you to take inventory of your friendships. You can start closest to home and then work your way out. But take an inventory of your friendships right now. If you're willing to just bow your head and close your eyes just so that you can visualize your friends, I want to ask you this. How many people in your life would say that you're a true friend to them? How many people in your life would say that He consistently loves me and courageously ministers to me? She consistently loves me and courageously ministers to me during adversity. How many people would say that you consistently love them and courageously minister to them? How many people in your life would say, yes, yes, He speaks words of life to me. Yes, she builds me up regularly. Yes, He points me to Christ. Yes, He blesses me in surprising ways. Yes, she meets my needs when I'm in trouble. Take inventory right now, church. And ask, who am I truly a friend to? Now I want you to take a little time to think about who is truly a friend to you. Who has loved you consistently? In the good times and the bad. In the times of success and in the times of failure. In the times of everybody loving you And it seems like nobody loves you. But this friend has been there. This friend has cared for you. This friend has sought you out and loved you. 
Would you take the opportunity to thank God for a friend like that? And would you take the time to communicate to your friends how much they mean to you? How significant they are in your life. Because every friend that loves you consistently and ministers to you in adversity is a gift from God. Express that to him. Express that to her. And right now, would you take the time to silently give thanks to Jesus Christ to being your faithful friend, your never-ending friend, who sacrificed everything in order to be your friend. You were a sinner destined for hell, and He has made you a saint with a home in heaven. There is no greater friend. Would you cry out to Him right now and thank Him for His love?